God, this is Sarah Eggs, your local YA tipsy book podcast. Good job. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> you got there. Julia, how are you doing tonight? What are you drinking? I'm fine. I am tipsy off of a lack of sleep. Um, mm-hmm. I'm drinking a Spanish... No, I'm, what am I thinking? A French red with Grenache. Well, it's really just Grenache. Or a French red. Um, uh, and I'm just tired. <laughs> I've been working on a paper, mostly just reading for it for like the past few days. And I, my mind, this, this podcast is going to be a mess because my mind is just like in paper mode um like trying to get into work mode today was so difficult i could not i was trying to show this very nice woman how to update her sharepoint site for like hr benefits and i could not explain it to save my life and like she had no idea what she was doing i was like you you click the icon and she was like what icon i was like i don't know so we got there eventually. Um, That's good. Just took a lot of patience. Uh, but I'm otherwise fine. Um, God, I wish I had something more exciting to say. I really don't. That's all I did this past weekend was work on. Oh, I went to the bookstore. The bookstore. I went to Barnes and Noble. <laughs> um, what did I, I buy? Get? That's a really good question. I don't remember what I bought. Please don't have the knowledge sharing books. <laughs> well, I was looking for knowledge sharing books, actually. I <laughs> didn't it. have anything. I had to get it ordered to ship and pick up, and then I'll probably pick up one of the other books that I was looking at that I didn't buy. Um, I got a book on machine learning. <laughs> That's not better. <laughs> really exciting. <laughs> did you get anything um, fiction? Yes, I did. I don't remember what it was. Oh, um, I think it was Kings County, which is confusing because I don't think it's Kings County. I think it's actually New York City, um, the setting, but, you know. Where's Kings County? Is that in New York? Isn't that Chicago County? I don't know. There's a King County where I grew up, but not Kings. It's just singular king this is kings like but it's like king apostrophe s Mm. oh um yeah Mm. uh looked good though cool and that's it that's all i got i was really just there for research purposes and they they let me down i'm sorry um uh yeah (laughs) barnes and noble come on they're not really the best bookstore for research. No, they're not. I, like, could probably find something. The Yale New Haven bookstore. The Yale New Haven. I'm thinking of my mom's hospital network is called Yale New Haven. <laughs> the Yale bookstore. The Yale University bookstore has probably some of the things that I need. I just don't want to figure out parking over there, so. That's fair. Yeah. I will say, anyway, having parked in New Haven before, it's not that bad. Yeah, it probably isn't. I just haven't driven into New Haven ever on my own, so I'm kind of like, I don't know if I want to figure that out right now, mm-hmm. and then I could just, like, order it from Barnes Noble online or get a library copy, so. That's true. Also, we don't need to give the Ivies more money. They have plenty of their endowments They are already. doing just fine, especially Yale. <laughs> yep. 
How are you doing, though? What are you drinking? I'm good. I'm almost done with um, a cocktail because we, we had uh, Skyla had therapy today. And the therapy place is right by our favorite taco place. So we got tacos for dinner. And I got a cocktail to go, which was it's horchata spiked with fireball. Oh, so delicious. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. Um, but it's fine. So that's been tasty. And then the week's been good so far. I mean, um, homework that I'm helping with, as always, works busy, but not insane. Just like prepping for some big meetings coming up. So I have to probably do some more prep work tonight before I go to bed. And then also uh, just getting my staff going for our current project but they are both great and have been doing really great jobs so far so I'm very impressed by both of them um and then my dad came and visited California this week which was really nice it was nice to see him he helped me finally put my patio furniture together that's been sitting in my living room in pieces since like April so that was a cute win (laughs) honestly (laughs) Um, so that was really nice, and now it's, like, sitting outside, and we have a little bit more free space, um, and went out to dinner, you know, Friday and Saturday night while he was here, um, took him to breakfast Sunday morning in downtown Martinez, my favorite little coffee shop down there, and we all got, like, fancy iced lattes that come in mason jars that you get to keep, because they want to be as sustainable as possible. Oh my god. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I live in California. <laughs> um, so that that was really fun, and Skyla had a good time um, with all of that. So now it's just continuing to chug along and prep for my big meetings next week and get some other stuff done. Um, I start working on my report, even though that's not really like due, so to speak, for six weeks. But the more I can get ahead of it now, and then just like make tweaks later on the better so Mm -hmm. that I have more time to review work papers as and when they're submitted and then I don't have to like try to write a report and submit work papers at the same time so yeah um we have we're both it's pretty boring you know it's not nearly the same as August and Kate having to be on the run and hide in a broken house (laughs) nope though at least her water was running our water is running, kind of, at least for me. Your dishwasher is a mess, but... Yeah, my my dishwasher is not working. I mean, the water is running. It's just the electricity to the dishwasher seems to have broken. Yeah. Very weirdly. Eh, it happens. Um, but, I mean, should should we uh, get into their little journey? Yes, we should. The no start one needs of... to hear about my dishwasher. <laughs> Uh, so we'll be talking about the start of verse four um, of this Savage song today, which is, I think, the last verse. So, oh my God, is it? I thought there was a verse five. Am I making that up? I think so. Oh my God, I am making that up. Yeah. Oh, there's an there's an okay. elegy. Yeah. It's not really an epilogue because it's. The I was first gonna say like there's a. Sequel. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's an elegy. It's like here's some more information, but I love that. <laughs> Patricia Schwab doesn't do things, you know, like everybody else. She just can't just end a book. That'd be silly. She's different. <laughs> She's not like other authors. 
She's weird. Have you ever seen her without... Oh, I can't think of anything for that. <laughs> God, love it. I love um, you, Victoria Schwab. <laughs> seriously, love you so much, Victoria Schwab. <laughs> Julie also has okay. no idea what you look like, so I don't know why she was thinking. I, well, I was trying to think of something like, we love your weird metaphors. Like... I'm okay. I'm just gonna stop while I'm ahead. We love her figurative language. <laughs> yes. Don't limit it to just metaphors. We love all the figurative language. Yes. Sorry. There's some, some good stuff to talk about in this chapter. Um, do you want to give us a synopsis of chapter one and I two? I do. For, okay, so verse four, chapter one. Kate reminisces on their destination, a small cabin on the outskirts of the waste where her and her mom lived for six years when they were not in the city. They had a peaceful, easy life, and Kate is remembering the good times where they never felt the brokenness of the world around them or the darkness. They also never interacted with Harker. After that time with her mom, Kate tried to tell herself she always wanted to leave, but as she heads back, she's starting to remember that isn't really true. Kate and August keep walking towards the coordinates in the quiet stillness of non-city life. They pass some run-down towns, but try to stay in the tree line or tall grasses to stay hidden. They finally cross the forest and get towards the house, but when Kate turns back for August, he's he's a ways back. He smiles super wide and tells her the gunfire stopped and Leo was wrong because he's still there, meaning he hasn't gone dark. But this confuses Kate because she didn't know he, he was warring with himself. He tells her the hunger hurt at first, but not anymore, and she didn't realize he was hungry. She really looks at him and his eyes are glinting up. <laughs> let me try that again she really looks at him and his eyes are glinting fire and he's burning up which really concerns her so she tries to think about how she can get him food he starts babbling nonsense but gets closer to her telling her how good he feels and thinking about how similar yet different they are she reminds him he's burning up and he starts comparing himself to a star as she pulls him towards the house, he starts to break down, pulsating anxiety, and continuing to remind himself he's okay, even though he isn't. She tries to pull him to his feet, but feels wetness on her fingers. She thinks it's sweat, but when she looks down, it's, it's black. She tells him he must be bleeding, and when she pulls up his shirt, a bullet had grazed his skin, causing his black blood to flow. They both know there's something seriously wrong because Sue and I are supposed to be invincible, but maybe the hunger is wearing him away, wearing away at him. He falls to the ground, begging her to not let him fall to the hunger and fall into darkness, and she promises she won't. She makes a plan of what they need to do in her head, grabs his hand, and tells him to stay with her. Verse 4, Chapter 2. They get to the house, which has a worn, which has worn a little with age, but is almost exactly as Kate remembers it. She grabs the key from the lockbox because she cannot bear to break down the door, and August is basically asking her to distract him and folding in on himself because he isn't strong enough to beat his hunger. Kate reminds him it's just what he needs given what he is, and he admits he doesn't want to be Sunai. It's just what. Oh my god. <laughs> I did I read that correctly and then think I read it wrong? Yes. Yeah. I love that for me. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna do it again anyway. Kate reminds him it is just what he needs given what he is, and he admits he doesn't want to be Sudai, which frustrates her. She unlocks the door and is taken aback by the abandoned feel of the house, tampering down the urge to call for her mom. 
She puts August down and starts prepping the house, turning on the generators, and running the rust out of the water. August comes behind her, and his tallies are burning up his whole body. She tries to help him, but he tells her to go, and he climbs into the cold shower, quietly whispering thank you. Kate goes out um, and runs her hand under the kitchen faucet because it's burned from grabbing his hand, naturally. (laughs) She tries to peace out (laughs) and interpret what he's going through. Realizing just how much pain and madness he has been hiding on this trip and finally tying it back to his temper and shortness in the car. She heads back toward the bathroom and sees him laying in the bathtub. He doesn't answer when she calls his name. He clenches his teeth and submerges and she notes underwater he no longer looks monstrous. He finally emerges and his eyes are black but no longer burning and when she asks where he is, he tells her on his bed with his cat. He tells her he wishes there were less shadows in the world and that he wasn't a monster and she tells him he isn't a monster and then realizes to herself that she means that. He's just a boy who wishes he was something different, but he isn't a monster, even though he is Sunai. What growth! I know. (laughs) He wants the pain to stop and they talk about it for a little. Then he stops responding and she realizes She no longer has the urge to talk because she's getting used to him. Tired of the silence, she wanders into her room and sees an old journal and some old clothes and then wanders to her mom's room. She feels the memory of her mom in there, sinks into the bed, and falls asleep. Kate is now dreaming and flashing back to when they they went back to V-City for the first time, four months into that being their home. She tells her mom she wants to go home and her mom reminds her V-City is home. V-City was not what child Kate wanted it to be, so she just keeps asking to go home, and eventually her mom, who she notices looks weaker and more beaten down, finally acquiesces and says okay. Seemingly, Kate's mom tries to talk to Harker, and he hits her with his ring because when she comes to wake Kate up to get her to leave, she has a big H on her face. Kate asks where they are going, and her mom answers home, but as we know, they never make it. Kate wakes up from her dream in tears, realizing there is so much else that she must have forgotten because she had forgotten she was the one asking to go home and forgot the mark on her mom's face. She then remembers that her mom didn't swerve, the other car swerved at them, and her mom tried to get out of the way, but couldn't. Kate then remembers that Sloan was there, smiling outside the car window. She finally remembers it was all Sloan and vows that she will kill him. Kate gets up, finds the lockbox under a loose floorboard, and grabs cash, a gun, and flips through papers, grabbing her own and putting her mother's file back. She goes through her mom's closet and grabs a sweater, finding a t-shirt for August, which she puts on the door outside the bathroom for whenever he is done. She then goes outside, notices a new warehouse, which is quiet, and heads to the garage. The car is still in there, and she gets... She gets it set up, tries it, and relaxes when it runs. However, then she hears another truck in the distance, which makes her panic. And that is the end. I feel like there's a lot to unpack. unpack. (laughs) Well, in that last chapter especially. Yeah. We're going to have some discussions. Like, I didn't even really write down notes, but I just feel like there's a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. So, how do we feel about chapter one? Ah, uh, oh my god. They touched. I feel like this is such a, like, this is what I took away from it, right? Like, 
yeah, like, he had an anxiety attack, essentially, and, like, he got, he's bleeding when he shouldn't be bleeding, blah, blah, blah. No, this is a K-drama moment. They touched. Her hand burned. I, one of my absolute favorite things in any book, like, YA or otherwise, mm-hmm. is when they describe someone's hand burning, like, ugh. It burnt where he held her hands. Like, there's something about that that I'm like, yeah, they're in love. <laughs> Julia, he was literally, like, 130 degrees. She got a third degree burn on her hand from touching Oh, really? Him. I took yes. it as, like, the metaphor. No. Okay. He's so literally... this is, like, an actual thing. Yeah, I he's... read this a week ago. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I love how, like, it's funny because... In that week, <laughs> when you first read it, you probably were like, yeah, she had a burn on her hand. You run yeah, that under cold like, water. Oh, that makes sense. And you're like, no, they burn for each other. Well, but there is a metaphor in there still. I'm just saying. <gasps> you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. But it's kind That's of so like funny. she takes the trope that you're talking about and turns it yeah. on his head. And it's like, no, he actually burned her hand. I love the Schwab. Good for her. Because um, there's still, I mean, there's little bits of flirting here and there between the two of them, but there is no romantic tension between Kate and uh, August at all. Do you disagree? I disagree. Yeah. Here it is again. Stay with me, she said, taking his hand and rising to her feet. Stay with me. Uh-huh. I don't know. I thought Like, that. don't <laughs> lose yourself to the darkness. Stay in this moment right now. Okay, well, I'm choosing to take it as them being caring for each other. I think they care for each other. I just am, at least in these chapters, still very platonic vibes. But maybe that's because I've been reading a romance novel for the last couple of days, and, like, they use that same (laughs) language where they're, like, the spark that, like, ignited when our hands touch. A sense of heat shivered up my spine. And it's like, yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> um, yeah, she, she stroked his hair. Okay, I'm reading all of this directly from the last page on, on this chapter. She stroked mm-hmm. his hair. The last sentence is, which you can take as literal and but i think that she means as both literal and metaphorical this is a good discussion i like this <laughs> he prickled through her fingers at first pleasant and then painful but she didn't let go right i think that there's an underlying tension there that we should talk about <laughs> uh hold on Kate's hand was, this is from the next chapter, Kate's hand was throbbing as she ran it under the kitchen tap. It looked like she'd put it on a stove. It felt that way too. All she'd done was take (laughs) August's hand and not let go. But it was pleasant at first. Yeah, there's a fine line between pleasure and pain. Uh Uh-huh, I get it. I've read a lot of weird romance novels, Julia, I'm aware. (laughs) I love that. <laughs> That's like the first thing they teach you in BDSM school at Fifty Shades of Grey Academy. Like, come on. But that's not, that's not what's happening here. I, there's just, I, I personally see them as very platonic. Not that it couldn't turn into something more. It probably could. 
But where I found in these two chapters, like, I really enjoyed seeing Kate grow is that she just no longer saw him as monstrous. Like, that's (laughs) huge growth already. It's going to take her more time to be, like, attracted to him in any way. (laughs) We take the baby steps. (laughs) We take the baby steps. That is fair. Slow burn. Um... I just also, like, I don't know, her remembrances at the beginning of chapter one, like, remembering what she actually wanted and, like, how she felt about this home and how safe and happy she felt talking about, like, the wildflowers and, like, the vases on the windowsill and it, oh, it was so sad. Like, these, both of these kids are just so broken and I just want them to have these like happy moments I want August to be able to cuddle with his cat I want Kate to have her quiet moments with the wildflowers like I just I want to give them these things and I can't do anything for them and it (laughs) frustrates me as a reader but I her home with her mom sounded safe and lovely and so I'm glad that she at least had that for a couple of years I don't know. And August's boyish charm at the beginning, too, was just so sweet. Like, before he realizes that he's been shot and has his anxiety attack, like, he has this, just this way about him where he's, like, so joyful, even though he's absolutely crazy. He's so happy and, like, light, and it's, it almost felt like at the beginning of the chapter that being outside of V-City gave his soul a chance to breathe and be free where it like didn't need the food anymore because it wasn't surrounded by all the sin and the darkness like pushing him down and making him feel hungry and when you like remove all of those influences like there can be light uh turns out he was just losing his mind but like I wanted that for him in that second you know yeah I agree did you get Ilsa vibes when he was babbling his nonsense, though? I did. I don't know if it was because she, of his babbling or because of what he was babbling about. Just seemed very mm-hmm. Ilsa-ish. Like, very, like, talking about the stars and, like, just such a... There's something about it that it feels like he has heard that. Obviously, we know he's probably heard that from Ilsa. But, um, well, I mean, stars are her mark, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. And they had that little moment towards the beginning of the book, too, where he walks in and she's like, the stars. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to know, speaking of that, actually, what happened to Ilsa? Are we going to get Ilsa back again? You're not going to tell me. <laughs> okay. We'll have to see. Fine. There's I'm definitely more coming. Here. Let's put it that way. Um, I feel like that has to be Ilsa's influence, though. Like, I don't know why else he would be doing that in a moment of weakness. And he, it's like kind of like when you when you feel very weak or feel very tired, you go to something that's familiar, and that's mm-hmm. probably because it was one of the last conversations he had with her. Mm-hmm. So he he relied on that. I also think that like Leo aside, it could also just be a sign that Ilsa's always teetering. Mm-hmm. on that point and she That's walks true. that line she walks straight on that line but she's always teetering back and forth between completely losing it and like being a sane person and so as we see august get closer and closer and closer to that line that ilsa's constantly walking um it would make sense that he starts to sound more like her leo would never have that happen because 
he's erased the line. The line doesn't exist for him anymore. But, like, as August gets closer to the place where Ilsa's brain always is, maybe that's why another reason he could be acting more like her. Because we don't really know that much about Sunai biology. Mm-mm. And the fact that he can apparently have a gun wound now is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I... um, That's what threw me off. Well, it's it's like... I I don't remember, so this is just me speculating, but how much of it is his body, like, not being able to handle it because he's so hungry and so, like, he just doesn't have the, like, literally the physical energy to fight it off or, like, heal himself, and how much of it is potentially them having discovered a way to hurt Sunai and having special monster bullets. That's true. I didn't even think of that. I don't remember, so again, pure speculation, because I don't know that that comes up, and I haven't read the second book, so even if that were the case, it's explained there, I don't know, um, but it was just something I was thinking about, because we see that in a lot yeah. of other paranormal sort of content, where um, you may have some party that seems invincible, and then someone comes up with the weapon that can't actually hurt them, and they've been looking for it the whole time, which Kate kind of has been. Like, how do you kill Sunai? How do you kill Sunai? She's been kind of looking for those answers, but hasn't found anything. And now that she's fully on August's side, if they have found something, maybe she'll try to protect him from it instead. And I feel like, I mean, it could be a red herring, but I feel like the fact that V-Shop took time to describe it and, like, the that there was black blood, it was on her hands, and, like, maybe it was... Um, just because he was weak, blah, blah, blah. Like, there was a few sentences about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, then he takes a whole bath. <laughs> I feel like, you know, that has to mean something. Like, it, it might just be that it it's him being weak, but, like, they're probably all kind of crazy out in the waste. Maybe they yeah. came up with some sort of thing that they just don't want to give the rest of the world because they, they want world domination. <laughs> Maybe. We don't know. Uh, and I don't know, like, maybe you know what it is. I could not come up with the right, well, actually, I probably could now that I was thinking about it from the conversation we were having earlier. Um, but, like, the feverish descent into, like, gleeful madness, but also, like, abject terror in that madness reminded me of something, and I couldn't quite pinpoint what it was when I was reading last night. Um, but I, I think I, like, based on pop culture, mm-hmm. oh, you think you got it? I think I got okay. it, yeah. Okay. I'll, I think I'll you know what thinking I'm thinking too, about. <laughs> okay. I don't think I do. I know, I think I know what you're trying to get at, but I can't think of it. Like, I'm at that place where you were. <laughs> Give me another 24 hours, I'll get there. <laughs> yeah, or um, I'll just mention it in, like, 20 minutes. Yes, that too. <laughs> Uh, I think that's all I have for chapter one. Um, let me see if I have anything else for chapter one. Oh, Kate's fear that, like, even, so she's like, even August isn't invincible. And after, like, all of these realizations that she's having about her mom and, like, Harker not listening to her and, like, supporting Sloane and... You know, just all of this change that's been happening, you know, she's starting to realize that, like, everything in her life is immutable and, like, not 
there like fully and can't protect her so you can just see this like anxiety materializing in her and like that's super valid anxiety like I would be a mess I wouldn't be able to get over the anxiety of it as well Mm -hmm. as she's at least coping um because like what is she supposed to do in her current scenario she she's stitched up like barely able to move and function and is just kind of doing the best that she can she can't rely on august because he's losing his mind so like how is she supposed to take care of herself in this situation and she keeps trucking along making making a plan and keeps plotting until she can get herself into a better situation and coming up with all of these like strategies and game plans where you can kind of see how yeah she's harker's daughter um but, I, I don't know, I was just, like, really proud of her for pushing through all of that anxiety and not just completely shutting down, which is probably what I would do <laughs> in this situation. Um, but that's that's all I had for chapter one. Chapter, chapter two. two. Well, we'll get to the big reveal at the end. Um, I had some highlights here. Oh, okay. Couple things. Okay. I haven't been paying attention, but how long have the last few chapters been from Kate Kate's point of view? I feel like we haven't had August in a couple chapters now. Mm-mm. Interesting. So now that he's in full madness mode, we don't get, you know, a ring moment of the poppy war and get inside her head to see what on earth is going on. Hmm. Mm-mm. I would like to, I would like to get some dialogue, internal dialogue from him, just to better understand. But all right, V. Well, Schmuck. I I think all he can offer is what he's saying to Kate is the problem. Like I think everything else would be incoherent. Yeah, true. He is just a mess. Now, would that Everybody be still interesting mold. to read? Yes, one hundred percent. But does it actually help with plot or character development? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, <laughs> true. Um, I also realized reading this, I don't know why it took me this long to realize. I feel like we've kind of talked about it. But for us personally, so we what we read that first book, the Merlin book. I don't know why I'm blanking on the name right now. <gasps> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad it's not just me. The I Concealed. Can the, the, con- the, the Concealed. concealed. <laughs> so we read The Concealed, and then we read The Cruel Prince. Yeah. And now we're reading The Savage Song. Yep. This is the third book in a row where the mother has died. Where we don't even meet the mother. Like, the mother doesn't even die in the book. The mother has been dead. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Why do we have so many orphan daughters in YA? What the hell? I feel like, isn't there that book that someone put out that was, like, another book where the mother dies? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a reason. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Just interesting observation that I realized while reading this. I was like, hold on. <laughs> well, the good news is, this is the first book where the father didn't die. That is true. That is very true. But the father is going a bit crazy. He could still die. <laughs> in the but park. he didn't die before we met him. <laughs> yes, that's true. So, and technically we did meet Jude's mom and dad in the uh, prologue to The Cruel Prince. 
Just like technically. Technically, but once the book actually starts, they're long gone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, let's see what else I have. What do you have? So I really related to Kate's frustration at the beginning of the chapter. Like, I totally get August, right? To I empathize with him. He does not want the life he currently has. And he's in so much pain and discomfort that he just, he doesn't want to feel this monstrous way. He doesn't want to feel this ache and this hunger. Um, and he doesn't want to be a Sunai. Like, I, I get that, that he wishes he was human instead. But that isn't his lived reality at the present moment. And so I can empathize with Kate being on the other end of that mentality. It's just so annoying when the other person just wants to sit there and complain and vent and rage. And you're just like, can you just accept the goddamn situation we're in and help me? Um, And it's hard to, like, pull up empathy in these situations, even though it's really vital to make sure that everyone's safe and, like, supported and taken care of. Um, but it does kind of suck that she has to sort of choke down all of her urges and, like, needs and emotions that she needs to process about everything that's going on with her mom and, like, all of these feelings of being back home for the first time and Mm -hmm. all of these flashbacks that she's starting to have. She has to kind of tamp that all down and, like, can't talk to him about it because she has to deal with his emotions. So I just, I was empathizing with her a lot in this chapter because that, it's rough. She has to play the part of the strong, stoic one. Mm-hmm. Which she's been doing also, the entire book. But. She has been. Um, I love that you're a Kate defender right now. <laughs> you were like, all out for Kate. <laughs> Come on, let's go. I just, I, I mean, feel she for deserves her. It. Yeah. yeah, like I feel for her. She's literally just got stitches like a day ago and has been traipsing through the wilderness and now also has to carry this super hungry crazy monster kid (laughs) i love the way you put that like that's a lot for a 17 year old or however old she is yeah and august gives me such like emo boy vibes here (laughs) i'm sorry but we just need to get him some My Chemical Romance. <laughs> It'll make him feel better. Oh, August. He just needs a good cry with oh. some punk rock music. God. Uh, I don't know if you felt this in this chapter. Maybe it was just me because I was, like, reading it late at night. But, like, Kate is, like, sneaking around the house and like turning things on and she's like I don't know what August is doing like is he gonna come out of the bathroom is he okay is he gonna murder me like she's like going through this like inner monologue and like sneaking around her own house and it felt like a horror novel um like I I (laughs) feel like what I got (laughs) I really for a moment there I like forgot what was gonna happen and I was like is August gonna jump out at her oh god I I thought Schwab was writing the tension really well when they were apart um at the at the beginning of the chapter maybe that was just me <laughs> I I don't so whenever we would um go on vacation from our home in Vermont uh we would have to come back if it was like a week-long vacation uh we would be gone like 10 days uh mm-hmm. and so we would come back and we would have to run the faucets and like Make yeah. sure everything was actually working properly. 
Um, and you like go through this routine of like, let's run this faucet. Let's make sure there's no mud coming through it. Like maybe they shut, the, I don't know, they shut the lines down. Let's check the electricity. Let's make sure like there's no mice anywhere. And like, so for me reading that, I was like going through that motion in my head. of like, okay, we're going back to Vermont and we're going to go and check and make sure everything is working. Okay, the kitchen faucet is working great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like in the back of her mind while she's doing that, she's thinking about August. Um, that's so funny though, but I was like, to your point, I was reading this on my porch in the middle of the afternoon. So, and it's like sunny and warm. That is funny. So it's the, this part. Um, she set the bloodstained spikes in the sink, cut the tap and wove back through the house. The bathroom was clouded with steam, but August was no longer standing in the shower and she panicked until she noticed his mop of dark hair cresting the wall of the tub. I can't keep going toward the edge. His (laughs) eyes were closed, his head tipped back, his body dangerously still beneath the shower stream as the water rose over his hips. Don't let me fall. August, she said quietly. He didn't answer didn't move. Kate forced herself forward, holding her breath until August gave a small shudder. Horror novel. Spooky season. Taking the spooky moments where I can get them. I'll die on that Mm -hmm. hill. And I miss Allegro. I miss Allegro, too. Where's our cat content? I feel like we're owed more cat content. Oh, yeah. See, I just found that, that spot. Um, it's so funny because, like, yeah, in my mind, she's just, like, going through the motions, basically. And in your mind, she was like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, so it's not, like, when That's not so when funny. she's turning the lights on and, like, um, getting the water running, but when she's done all that and she goes back to, like, soak her hand and then, like, she goes back to the bathroom and he's, like, I not see. there and she's like... <gasps> Oh, okay, wait, his body's still there. Is he alive? Is he going to jump at me? Like, what's going on? Um, but yeah, it's because I read it at night. I need to not do that. Looks <laughs> <laughs> so good. And I was kind of yes. talking about this earlier, but it's such a big change for her to realize that she truly no longer thinks he's a monster. Like, mm-hmm. it's such an impactful moment because she's you know, fully realizing that, like, this boy in front of me is his own complete person with his own complete personhood. He's nothing like the rumors and the songs and the stories and the videos about Leo. He's not Leo. He's August, and August and Leo are two different people. They may not be humans, but they're not like the Malkai. They're not like the Corsai. They have personalities and wants and desires and needs, and he's fundamentally good. And she finally comes to terms with that. And I was just like, oh, I loved that for her. And then when he's in the tub, I think I I texted you this quote because I just really, really loved it. But she's talking to him and he's just kind of like venting. And he says, being, not being, giving in, holding out. No matter what I do, it hurts. Kate tipped her head back against the tub. That's life, August, she said. You wanted to feel alive, right? It doesn't matter if you're monster or human. Living hurts. It resonated. Deep. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. It's actually a deep statement. Like, living when you're struggling hurt. and things are hard, it's just true. Sometimes living just hurts. 
it's worth it but it can hurt and like I think it's important to acknowledge that because sometimes people get so caught up in trying to make everything positive all the time and it's like no sometimes we just need to hurt and feel the pain and that's okay that's a good quote mm-hmm. what else you got um should we talk about Sloan? No, I want to talk about her father. Okay. <laughs> I'm holding off on Sloan. I mean, it kind of leads into Sloan, I guess. But um, it's where she's uh, having that flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, yeah, it does kind of tie into Sloan. So my question was basically, like, um, she talks about how her father's ring had struck her mother's face and had left this H. I couldn't understand if, um, like, with the ending, with Sloane's reveal, if that was maybe, like, somehow Sloane's doing, or is it actually her father? Or are we going to learn that? I don't know. I feel like we might not learn it. Um, Because in which case, her father is an a-hole. Yeah. (laughs) Because, oh my god. I remember at the beginning, I feel like I said, like, he's not a good person. Mm-hmm. And I feel justified now. Well, I mean, either way, he's not a good person, right? Like, yes. either he directly yeah. hit his wife, which is horrible, or he stood back and let his monster let some, do it. Yeah. And well, my other, well, my thing with the monster situation is, like, maybe for some reason he just had no idea what was going on. Maybe, like, he wasn't necessarily an asshole but he was very detached from um from kate and her mother and just never noticed at all but Um, then you're still not a good person if you're that ignorant to what's going on with your family you are not prioritizing them in the way that you should this is true but at least that would just be ignoring rather than actually doing um which is not great but it's not as bad as it could have been so I'm my my. I understand what you're saying. I mean, I think still having that ignorance about it, right? You know, like how people say ignorance is bliss, or like you'd rather just be able to be ignorant and like claim ignorance about something so you don't look as bad. I think we're past the point in society of like, you know, claiming ignorance as a reason for not doing something and like not intervening, mm-hmm. um, and. I don't want Harker to be able to have that out. Like, he should have known better than to trust a fucking monster with his family's well-being. Well, that leads me to the quote, which I feel like the uh, word choice is very particular here. There was no happy family, no loving father, only a shadow she hardly saw, and the monster in his wake. Equating her own father to a monster... Just interesting. I mean, I'm pretty sure she's talking about Sloane, but yeah. No, she's, uh... Uh-huh. A oh, shadow she barely saw yeah, and the monster like, in his wake. So I took it as her father's shadow was all that she ever saw. He was never around going into that ignorance thing. Yep. And then um, he, he became a monster instead if she did see him. 
Mm, no, I read it that, like, same thing with you're talking about for the shadows, but then, and the monster in his wake, because Sloane was always one step behind. Interesting. Okay. She never got her father without Sloane. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Sloane. <laughs> mm, I mean, and, you know, from a metaphorical perspective, Sloane really could just be the metaphorical representation of all of the bad that's already within Harker. Right? Like, it's his own personal sin following him around. Because, yeah. right, like, as, as August points out, for how they see sin, it's the people that have the shadows around them. Like, they can see the shadows as Sunai, and that's how they know who to eat. Um, that Harker has all of these shadows. Kate metaphorically sees them, but they are actually there, all of this darkness. And the Malkai that is Sloan is the physical manifestation of these shadows in place. Um, and that's why he's backstabbing Harker is because he's giving him a taste of his own sin. Yeah. Serving back to him what Harker did to so many people. And I just <laughs> think that's like conceptually really interesting. Ugh. The double meanings, they never cease. Love it. So fun. It's great when you have a deeper meaning behind some of this stuff. Well, why are you surprised? Think... Oh, that Sloane killed her? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I wasn't surprised that he was he turned out in, to be the bad guy. But I was surprised that he was at the crash and that he caused the crash. Why you I don't know, like... Yeah, oh, I 100% think he did it. Um, why? Yeah. He was there. Oh, why do I think he did it? Um, that's the part that I can't quite figure out. Like, part of me wants to go the easy route and say, like, oh, it's, like, jealousy. Like, this is his, he, like, idolizes Harker in some fashion. Mm -hmm. And so these two other creatures came back into his life, and he does not have the time to deal with them. Let's just get rid of them. But that feels like an easy way out. Maybe I'm making it more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> I don't think but, you are. Um, complicate it. That's where it gets complicated, though. It's like, I'm not, I can't quite wrap my head around what could be his motivations other than maybe causing chaos. Like, maybe he tried to, I, the issue with this is that we still don't have really necessarily the full details. Like, what happened mm -hmm. after the crash? Like, what were the news headlines? Or Because, like, inevitably, inevitably, that had to be in the news, I, mm -hmm. I would assume, because that's a major figure who died. Right. So what were the news headlines? Like, did Sloan, was Sloan able to push this off onto somebody else? Like, did he blame a random bystander? Or did he, like, a mon another monster or something to, like, pin it on other monsters and cause, you know, another war? Um, so we do kind of have the answers to this already, um, based on what snippets Kate's given about the car crash to date, right? Because she basically had all these false memories and false interpretations of what happened. And just now is she mm -hmm. starting to wake up to her lived reality and remembering that there was a monster there, but she thought her mom had swerved on purpose. She yeah. thought her mom was committing suicide. Why so would a 12-year-old think that? Yeah. Because that's what was fed to the headlines, and that's all then she saw. So then that makes it even harder to me, is, like, then what was Sloane getting out of this? Um, 
Like, does he think that Harker will get more unhinged without those two in their lives? Like, were they maybe, like, keeping him grounded somehow? Um, I mean, I think Sloane's playing the long con. Like, And how do you win the long con? You isolate. Yeah, exactly. He's isolating Harker from the people who love him. Exactly to your point, the people that can keep him grounded. And the people who can also, like... Kate's smart. Even little girl Kate was smart. She may notice things because kids notice things. The mom's really empathetic. She may notice things. And if they then bend the ear of Harker, how is Sloane going to be able to continue to manipulate him? Yeah. So it's like, I think he wanted them out of the way, but it may not be because of jealousy. It may be for efficiency. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, Sloan, what are you up to, dude? I think it's pretty clear. He's trying to some trying to start some sort of a conflict. Yeah, definitely. But I just don't I want to know his motivation for starting the conflict. Like does he think that all of his type of monsters are going to suddenly start ruling the earth or something? I don't quite get that. But to be I mean, that's seen. What, that's what the underling Malkai are trying to do. Who's trying to overthrow yeah. Harker? I want to know more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was my thoughts on that. <laughs> I uh, I concur. Uh, I also, <laughs> I don't know, I had so many feelings about Kate's growth in this chapter. Not just related to the, like, seeing August, truly seeing August for the first time in this chapter, but also just, like, how much she's starting to realize about herself and what her life was, what her life could be, realizing how much she's forgotten or, you know, what false memories have been kind of put in her head unintentionally. Uh, And she's processing it all really calmly. Like, I keep waiting for her to snap, but she's, she's handling it all really well and just kind of, like, going with the punches. She's like, okay, so Sloane was there. I will kill him. What's my next thought? Okay, we need to get the car started. Okay, we need to get August some food. And she just, like, keeps rolling through. She's so efficient. She's like a goddamn robot. Um, But you know what? I support it. It impressed me a lot. And then, I don't know about you, but I really liked, this is just kind of a general commentary across both chapters, I really liked the fluid nature of the narration and the chapters, like, I get that it's all Kate's POV, but I love how we kind of, like, started with a flashback in her head to, like, what the time was like with her mom and then slowly brings us back to the present and then she has her dream where we're going back in time again and then she kind of wakes up but is still processing the dream and then remembering things from that time and the way that Schwab kind of, like, changes the narration style slightly like, subtly throughout the two chapters, I just thought it was really masterfully done. It was very reminiscent of how it actually feels to move from, like, being awake to being asleep to being awake again. Um, Yeah, I thought it was really good. I agree. She is such a good writer. Like, she's written... So, all of her other books are... Are they YA or does she have adult? She's adult. So, Addie LaRue's adult... And I still think Addie Lurie is the best written of the ones that I've read. And I will die on that hill. 
it can be a little boring at times, but it's so beautiful that, like, still, five-star read just for the pros. Um, and then Vicious and Vengeful, the villains duology, those are both adult. Darker Shade of Magic trilogy is adult. And then she has a new YA called Gallant, I think, coming out next year. Um, and then I think she has another YA standalone fantasy, but I haven't read that. All right. Oh, I love that she's gracing YA with her writing. Me too. I, I mean, her adult stuff isn't, like, explicit, really. It just is a little bit more gory than her YA, which is why it's classified as adult. Plus, you get a lot more, like, morally gray characters than you do here. Like, it stuff just doesn't get as wrapped up as neatly. But her adult stuff's really good from everything I've read. Uh, should we do pop culture? Yes, we should. What do you have for chapter one? I have one thing. <laughs> okay. Um, I have... I have when he is... It's a line, he smiled, that dazzling delight smile, just like a star. Do you know that all stars are burning? Um, and he's kind of going into this feverish state where it's like, he's just talking, yeah. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the image that popped into my head, which is not the correct image to be popping into my head, but it did, um, is Ron with the love potion. <laughs> I don't know why. I was like, oh, this dude's very like, ooh, like... Rupert Grint in the movies does such a good job at portraying that. I think where he is just like so loopy and so like dopey in love and like I that I don't know why that was the illustration that I thought of while he was August was having his meltdown, which is horrible because he was in pain. (laughs) Yeah, that was my one pop culture reference for that chapter. Great, I love it. That's a great one. (laughs) Uh, you're gonna, don't hate me for the first one. It's really weird. Oh, God. I'm sorry. But, like, (laughs) the way she describes the cabin at the beginning, like, it's, like, isolated in the woods, and where, like, when her and her mom were there, it was just the two of them, um, and, like, no other people would come, and they had these, like, wildflowers and faces, and everything was, like, homey and kind and sweet. Just... Something about the imagery of it reminded me of this cabin that's in the Barbie horseback riding game for PC. There's this, like, cabin. (laughs) Okay. Keep going. (laughs) I don't know why my brain does this. I'm sorry. Um, Okay. There's this cabin in the woods that you find at the end of the game. So you have to, like, find all of these little clues and then eventually the path is like revealed to you uh to this cabin in the woods and there was this girl who lived there with her mom and just the two of them like alone in the woods no one knew this place was there and they would take care of wild horses that came to them for food and I they love had, that they were surrounded by fields of wild <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Is that the most out there reference I've made to date? Maybe. Who knows? Yes. 
<laughs> I think it is. Comparing this savage song to the my Barbie, the Barbie computer game that I played when I was five. <laughs> hey, it was so fun. So it was so fun. <laughs> uh okay my uh harry potter reference for this chapter the idea of them trying to like skirt the tree line to stay hidden or like stay in the tall grasses reminds me of harry and hermione and prisoner of azkaban when they're trying to save buckbeak and then like lure loop in a way and they just keep like weaving in and out of the tree line so people don't see them uh i love that the descent into madness it's not quite the same, but, like, the fervor and also the imagery of the fire that, like, August is portraying to Kate uh, is reminiscent of Daenerys Targaryen and also Rin in The Burning God. Where they're both clearly losing their minds and are, like, going into this insane fervor and are just, like, not even intentionally, but just, like, burning all of their bridges. Mm-hmm. They're kind of doing it both metaphorically and literally. August here is just doing it literally, but, like, the descent felt somewhat similar, even though his is a little bit more joyous. But, like, those moments of pain, like, you can see those in Daenerys, you can see those in Vryn as well. They're just a lot more fleshed out and depressing because it's adult literature versus YA. And also, we need August to be redeemable. Neither of them were redeemable at the end. Uh, the Sunai and the fact that they can be hurt. This is what I was talking about earlier with, like, maybe their special weapons that are being used to hurt the Sunai. Um, reminded me of the originals in the Vampire Diaries where, like, the stuff that kills and hurts normal vampires doesn't do anything to them. But if you stab them with the white oak stake, like dipped in the ash of the burn tree, blah, blah, blah. It, it could actually kill them. Mm. Uh, and then I, this version of Kate, who's, like, pretending to be strong for August and then pushing back all the tidal waves of memories that she's feeling to just keep making a plan and, like, moving forward and, like, getting to the next step. Jude. It's just Jude. Yeah. Like, all I could think about was Jude in the underwater palace in The Wicked King. Mm-hmm. Kate's in a slightly better situation, but not by much. <laughs> uh, and then all the promises that, like, her and August are making to each other when he's basically delirious. Again, reminded me of Vampire Diaries, but when people are bit by werewolves and they start hallucinating and they're like just kill me help me i love you but and they're like saying all of this nonsense and the person that's like sane and sober so to speak is just like yep i promise nope i'm definitely gonna kill you if that's what needs to happen and then they're always trying to find a way to save them instead so vampire diaries like yep that's that's all i had for chapter one what'd you have for chapter two well, I had a couple for chapter mm-hmm. two. Um, let's see, what do I have? Um, I love that I put this down. I'm not 100% sure why, uh, but another Vampire Academy reference. I've been drawing a lot of Vampire Academy references in this one, but um, it's when she's the accident, the memory of the accident is coming back to her and... Um, 
Oh, it's that whole, the whole sequence of the memory coming back to her mm-hmm. is where I cannot ever remember the teacher's name, but it's when um, Rose is remembering the memories. I mean, for, in her case, they were like magically, in a way, suppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were unlocked at the time that she needed them. Mm-hmm. In this case, Kate was basically manipulated to remember something incorrect. Yeah. Um, but that just reminded me a lot of that, where, like, you have this moment with the protagonist, and it's very pivotal because it's going to change the rest of the book. <laughs> um, and you, in both cases, you also have this figure that's just, like, standing in their memory mm-hmm. um, very eerily, so. Which is similar to what we talked to a couple of, like, I, uh, chapters mm-hmm. and chapters ago with, like, Shadow Hunters. And, like, Clary losing her memories to Magnus and having them magically blocked. But then them starting to leak in again. Yeah. Um, And then the other one I had was when she goes to lift the floorboard to find, like, the gun and the uh, cash and everything. It was very Lane Gilmore Girls where she would hide all of her CDs and stuff underneath her floorboard. I was thinking of Harry Potter where he hid all of his cake. <laughs> that too, that works as well. <laughs> There's so many other instances, I just can't think of them. I just love that one first. I love Lane. Oh, that's such a great reference. Ah, uh, that was mine. <laughs> What's yours? Um, so I don't know if you were picking up on it, but it was something I mentioned, I think, a couple of episodes ago to like start getting ready for like the Juliet and Adam vibes. Oh, God. I did not I don't pick know up if, on that yet. But. I don't know if you were feeling it, but, like, just the idea of, like, them getting to the house and, like, trying to sort of, like, reset and Juliet being, like, out of her mind and, like, not able to fully reset. Juliet's very August. Adam is very Kate. Um, obviously, their personalities are nothing like uh yeah. Kate, Kate and August but just like the vibe of like wandering 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 and then finally getting there and then being like overwhelmed reminded me a lot of Shatter Me just again from a vibe perspective not really from a plot perspective and then Akatar reference because I haven't made one of those in a while um Kate realizing that August is not like evil and monstrous was kind of similar to, like, when Feyre has that realization about Resand in um, A Court of Mist and Fury, without, in my mind, the romantic undertones that come with Akatar, um, <laughs> because, like, Resand puts on this bravado and, like, lets all of the people in the world believe a bunch of stuff about him, um, because he just doesn't correct them to let them know, like, who he actually is. And so the world has built up this image of, like, what Resand is and what a monster he is and how evil and horrible and awful all of this stuff. And he knows he's not like that. And his close family and friends, like, his inner circle knows he's not like that. So that's kind of like August and the Flynns um, and the very close members of the FTF. But everyone else believes sort of the lies about how destructive and evil the Sunai are. And Kate was believing that up to this point. Um... But same same thing with Feyre, like, she 
actually has enough interaction with Rhysand outside of the influence of the rest of the world and starts to realize like his kindness and his humor and how sweet he can be um and that's when they eventually start falling in love because she starts realizing he's not as evil as everyone thought he was Hmm. and I can't okay this next one is like not even really a pop culture reference because I couldn't think of the right reference and I'm fairly confident that my reference is wrong um so don't come for me internet but like there's there is a book with a young girl who is trying to like remember her mother or like feel connected to her mother and like wanders into her mother's room or closet and will like try on clothes to try to reconnect with her mom there is a book where that happens I'm like not crazy all that came to my head was the secret garden. <laughs> yeah, okay. But that's wrong because her mother died in India and mm-hmm. she's living in England. So, like, that can't be it. But something about the secret garden and, like, Mary's connection to her mother and, like, wishing she could be like her mother, always getting, um, like, starting to feel good when people, like, compare her to her mother the, something it, about the vibes of that. Is it an old book that you're thinking of? I think so. I just... It's not the one where she, she like, goes to a boarding school and then gets sent to the attic because, like, her father dies or something. No? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think it's Heidi either. No, I don't think that would be Heidi. Well, for the girl in the wheelchair, but, like, I, I don't, like, I don't know what it is, but there's something, and I was getting such strong vibes when she was, like, wandering in her mom's room, but I can't picture it. So, you know what? I'm just gonna go with Secret Garden. I know it's wrong, but I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, and then the, the last one with Kate trying to start her car and um and she's like oh my god is it gonna work is it gonna work and then it actually does start and she's like oh yeah it works all I could think about was when Mia tries to start her car in the rain and like can't get her hood up and then her car won't start and she's just like oh stuck god. in the rain <laughs> it's just very like, different situation <laughs> it's hilarious to me that like this car that hasn't been touched in years, that Kate has never seen run, actually, runs better than Princess Mia's just service Mustang. <laughs> oh, that is funny. Um, on an unrelated note, I have confirmed with Skyla that Michael Moskovitz is also at the top of her book boyfriend list. We've yes. only read the first book, and she's already... She's a witch. She's gonna have so much fun. Oh my god. Uh, I was, I'm like, we gotta get through 11 books. When do we have the time? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but that's all I had. Alright. MVPs? Um, I think, isn't it your turn to go first? Yeah, but I want you to go first. I... No, I think you should go first because I know who you're going to pick and I want to give it to you. <laughs> do you? Do you know who I'm going to pick, Julia? I think I, I do. I don't think you do. I think I do. Okay, well then try me. <laughs> I'm going to pick your August. <gasps> August. No. How <laughs> could you? After you defended Kate this entire episode. 
All yes, right. but Let's again, like, it. it's from Kate's point of view. So there was a lot about Kate's point of view and her perspective to dissect, and I appreciated everything about what she was doing in this chapter. She was a rock star in these two chapters. However, as you were mentioning, we haven't had August's perspective in a really long time, and as Kate's kind of pointing out, she's like, holy shit, he's been going mad for days and he's been trying to keep me feeling as secure as possible to like lock it down hold it in manage himself and he's been fighting so hard because there's nothing else he can do and like the sheer amount of willpower that he's been able to exhibit while being shot while being hungry and tired and out of money and having no idea what's going on and completely separated from his normal support system, he's still holding himself accountable, holding himself in line, and recognizing that he finally needs to ask for help. And that, I think, was really big for him because he hates admitting that he isn't strong enough to do it on his own, but he finally did, right? In this chapter, Mm -hmm. he said, don't let me do this. Help me. And she did. And, you know, he's okay to an extent until they get to wherever they need to get to. Um, But that was really big of him and a big sort of change from the last couple of chapters where he's just been moody. He's still moody, but he finally got over his moodiness enough to ask for help. And I thought that was really big of him. So... August. <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, then I'm giving mine to the obvious one, Kate, for every reason that you said. I think that she has incredible. She's just like the way that she carries herself is very admirable. And it's the sort of confidence. It's not even confidence, it's just bravery that I like wish that I had. And I mm-hmm. am a baby and I will never have that. Um, to be able to work under pressure. Um, I'm a little bit worried for her because I think that with her memory kind of coming back now, mm-hmm. along with everything else, I feel like it could very easily become overwhelming um, and cause her to reach a breaking point, kind of similar to like August reaching his breaking point. Humans are going to reach their own breaking point, not mm-hmm. because of a hunger, that because they haven't you know fed off a sinner, but because they just haven't faced it um Mm -hmm. but right now i think she's doing a good job in kind of like focusing all of her nervous energy on just making sure that august is okay so she is coping by helping somebody else which i think it's not necessarily a healthy coping mechanism but i think that it's better than like you know going out and partying or something um that was a really lame example but it's it's helping someone else essentially it's um, better than overdosing on her anxiety medication yes. that we still don't know what the dosage or ratio is that is very true she needs to go back to a therapist after this <laughs> a real she's therapist doing, not the school counselor yeah she's doing a great job but my gosh she's going to need some help yeah um, seriously i'm very i'm very excited i'm not excited that's the wrong word i'm very interested to see what's going to happen now that she realizes that sloan was a part of us like i feel like you know obviously she already didn't like sloan and so now she has a reason to be like okay well let's go get some revenge because i feel like she's the type of person that's going to want revenge Um, oh 100 again she's a mirror image of jude (laughs) 
they yeah <laughs> revenge is literally <laughs> their middle name well maybe not revenge yeah. they they would both probably say retribution is their middle name justice in the vengeance name of justice <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean so we only had literally two humans or two people in these chapters so it had one of us had to pick eight one of us had to pick august yeah. if I had done what you thought I was going to do. What was your rationale going to be for picking August? Honestly, I had briefly thought about picking um, her mother, who isn't necessarily mm. active in the chapter, but she is mentioned a lot. And I think that she exhibits the same amount of bravery that um, Kate exhibits. So I was going to give some some meaning to that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, that's sweet. <laughs> One character to show Kate love. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay, Julie, what about your wine slash cocktail rating? Yes, so I am foregoing the wine. Um, I am rating it, uh, but I'm foregoing the wine. Instead, we're going to say that this is a Ward 8, which I had to look this up. I was looking specifically for cocktails that were probably invented or became popular in um, the, uh, what's it called, age? Um, Prohibition? Prohibition age, thank you. I love that I just Googled this like yesterday. And I, I feel like it. you're supposed to say era with prohibition. Yes, you are. I'm, <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Anyway, so the Ward 8 was popular during Prohibition, you know, a time where you were not supposed to be doing certain things, kind of like uh, Kate smuggling August, in this case, a lot of alcohol smuggling going on. Um, So Ward 8, I had to look this up. I really want to try this. I'm going to try this um, probably when I go to visit my parents next time. Um, The Spruce Eats uh, says that the... Ward 8 is a classic whiskey sour with a hint of grenadine, um, which adds a touch of sweetness. So it's a very, like, kind of darkish sort of a drink, but you get that touch of sweetness. right up my alley. (laughs) I know, me too. And I was thinking, like, it's pretty dark, like these couple last chapters. Mm -hmm. But, like, you do get a hint of sweetness in there, like, just Kate trying to take care of poor August. Yeah. Um, so I want to give her a little bit of a nod. If anyone wants to know, it's bourbon or rye whiskey with lemon juice, orange juice, grenadine, and you top it off with uh, maraschino cherry or an orange slice. Um, the grenadine was added during prohibition to make up for any liquor deficiencies. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Um, anyway, so I would say overall rating though is it's probably like a seven out of ten. Like the bartender had an idea going, but it was just not like super great. Like I don't mean to say that these are a couple bad chapters. I just think that they we get the big bang at the end. You know, mm-hmm. you, you drink the drink, you get the tipsy, but <laughs> the rest of the way through is kind of like it's mild. It's a drinkable cocktail, but they made it with Jim Bean. They didn't make it with Maker's Mark. Very true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's your wine? Or whistle pig. Oh, or, a whistle pig ooh, one would be good. A whistle pig. As teenagers listen to this and are like, "What the hell are these I know. <laughs> weirdos talking about?" Uh, these are all brands of bourbon, kids. 
<laughs> Please don't drink them. Um, my whining rating... Well, I'm like, they don't really whine. Like, August does, but it... It all flowed so well in these chapters. I thought, like, it just felt right in the way that they were communicating with one another. I don't know if that makes sense, but there was definitely a lot of angst. Like, how Kate was processing emotions and, like, freaking out internally about, you know, what had happened in the past, what was going to happen, what she would do to Sloan, what was going on with August. Like, she definitely had anxiety, even if it wasn't materializing into anything concerning it was there there was a clear undercurrent of it that was present in almost every decision she was making and august was a mess like it's just an absolute mess in the two chapters mm-hmm. as we know like he's babbling nonsense he's so scared freaking out that he's gonna hurt her like he's just a ball of angst um so i think it needs to be pretty high i'm gonna go nine out of ten I agree 100% on that. Yeah. I feel bad for August, but oh my god. <laughs> I know. It's a lot. It's definitely a lot. Um, but that's, that's it. That's pretty much it for chapters 1 and 2 of verse 4. We are making progress, Julie. We only have three more chapter episodes left, and then the wrap-up. We're almost done. There better be a good wrap-up well, the, of the book, not the <laughs> our wrap-up episode. <laughs> I'm expecting a good wrap up. <laughs> oh, we always have fun when we Hogwarts sort the characters. I don't expect these characters to be any different. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh god. Um, but for those of you who have made it this far, uh, congratulations and thank you. Uh, you can <laughs> follow us on social media or on Facebook and Instagram at unnecessary angst pod and on twitter at unangstpod and you can also email us thoughts comments questions that's about all i think goes in emails uh at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you but (laughs) not anymore tonight because we're tired and we're going to go to bed well julia's gonna go to bed and i'm I'm gonna probably work for another two hours Um, but thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye.